Anywhere product managers gather, there's a question that comes up. You see it all the time on Quora, and I've seen it on other product management-oriented message boards as well. And also, whenever I meet people at a meetup or something, there's always people that are going to come up and ask this question about product management. The question is, how do you become a product manager if you're coming from another discipline? A lot of times there's engineers that would really like to become product managers, or they think that product management sounds really good. And they want to know, what do you have to tackle and either be or become good at, or have a strategy for managing, even if you're not good at it, if you want to make that transition into product management? And there's lots of answers to this question. You can look on Quora for a bunch of them. Here's mine. And it's based on some conversations that I've had over time with various people. So welcome to this episode of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, a podcast on how to be an effective product manager, coming to you from NPD Studios, also known as my garage, and I'm Nils Davis. There are three key components to having a product management mind. There's some characteristics you have to have, so sort of modes of thinking and behaving, and I'm going to talk about those. There's some particular skills that are super valuable, in fact, that I think are critical. And there's a mindset that you need to embody. And this often doesn't come up, this third piece. And I'm going to talk about that at the end. So in terms of characteristics or the modes of thinking and behavior, the most important one really is empathy for your customers and other stakeholders. Um, You need to be able to put yourself in their shoes while still maintaining a bigger picture. And this means not just customers, but the other stakeholders are things like your development team. You need to be able to sort of put yourself in your development team's shoes. Is what you're doing to help guide them as they create the solution to the customer problem, is it going to help them or is it going to make it harder for them to do a good job at that? When you're writing marketing materials, you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes, obviously. But when you're creating sales materials, you want to put yourself in your salesperson's shoes. Is this something that the salesperson can use effectively when engaging with a prospect? And so on and so forth. So the, the, the ability to put yourself in your customers' and other stakeholders' shoes is really critical. Now, you got to then combine that with both a big-picture view and a pretty detailed mentality. Now, product management is really more big picture than details as a rule. But there are definitely times when you have to be able to go down into the details. Now, if you're coming from engineering into product management, you might have the opposite problem. You might be good at the details, but you might not be as oriented toward the big picture. What's the overall, the big story here? Um, what, where is the area where I should be putting a lot of effort and, and areas where I should be putting less effort? And you need to be able to ha- combine those two things Uh, effectively in order to be an effective product management. Now, you also need the ability to have a strong opinion, but an open mind that can be changed by a good argument. So there's a great phrase, strong opinions, weakly held. It's a characteristic of successful product managers and other idea people, and actually good leaders just in general. Now, this originally came from Paul Sappho at Palo Alto's Institute for the Future. I first learned about it from Bob Sutton on his great blog, Work Matters, which I'll put a link in the show notes too. But the basic idea is that you need to be confident in what you're talking about, and it should be confidence based on facts and and true knowledge. But if somebody comes in to you with better facts, you need to be prepared to change your mind and rethink your positions. Along with that, you need a lot of mental flexibility just in general to be a product manager, because you're probably going to be switching gears all the time on a daily basis. I think it's around five to fifteen times on a daily basis. And on a weekly basis, it may be as much as 50 different topics that you have to cover or that you have to address uh, on any given week. You know, and each of those topics has 
a ton of subtopics as well. Just as an example, if you're doing a bug review, you might look at 20 bugs in a one-hour meeting. Each of these bugs is on a different topic, a different part of the product, and with a different set of criteria feeding into how you uh, come up with the priority for fixing them. Now, flexibility of mind, empathy for others, and strong, opi strong opinions weekly held are the critical hallmarks of a good product manager in terms of how you think about things. Now, there's some skills as well that you need. Two critical skills, you need to be able to communicate comfortably with a range of people, technical people, non-technical, executives, line workers, and communicating means not just the ability to talk to them and have a conversation in terms that they understand, but also being able to write effectively. So you can write something that is good for an engineer to consume, something that's good for a salesperson to consume. And then there's a final piece of the communication, which is really the, the sort of a translation function. You need to be able to take a technical feature that's been developed by the engineering organization and describe it to an end user or a customer in such a way that it, the customer understands how it works for them, not the technical details, right? You may have a cool technical capability that you've just implemented, but you need to be able to describe it to the customer in a way that shows how it helps solve the customer's problem, how, how it solves a business problem, and they don't really care about the technology. On the other hand, you do need that technical credibility for when you're talking with engineers in a lot of sort of technical or somewhat technical discussions. You need to be able to contribute to the discussion at least by making sure the argument logically holds together and to call bullcrap on various technical discussions or decisions that are going the wrong way. You have to bring in a high level understanding of the architectural issues and issues like performance optimization, which often can turn into a, a black hole of discussions. So in fact, optimization is a special topic, and I'll cover that in another podcast, and I do have some blog posts about it, which I'll link to in the show notes. So there are some things you need to know when working with engineers, in addition to having technical credibility. Just about how engineers, the engineering mindset sort of makes them uh, guides their thinking as well, and you need to help manage some of these things because it can be problematic for getting good solutions out to the market. You know, engineers get stuck in the weeds. It's part of their job description is to be really focused on details, but sometimes they can get stuck there, and you need to help them lift their head up above the weeds and see the rest of the world a little bit. Um, I've often found that engineers really like to use their libraries in the simplest way possible. Libraries are fantastic for um, doing code reuse and so on, but sometimes the way that the library approaches a particular capability is not what you need for your product. And the, in, your engineers may actually need to go in and do some customization. And this is a, a topic that uh, it seems pretty detailed and nitty gritty to for a conversation like this, but it actually is something you need to be able to talk to your engineers about about not just doing things in the simplest possible way, because sometimes the harder way is the way that's going to make you money. Now, engineers really like creating optimal and elegant solutions. They often use their own intuition about what's optimal and elegant, and it may not be what's actually optimal for the customer. And so sometimes there's things that, you know, corner cases that get addressed that don't really need to be addressed or that can be stubbed off, and so on. So you just need to have your have your eye out for those things and be able to use your big picture instincts to help guide the developers 
to create the thing that's going to be optimal for customers, not optimal for from an elegant standpoint. Um, often engineers gravitate toward a complicated but more complete solution versus a much less complicated, less complete but good enough solution. And part of your job is to help them understand the parameters of what is good enough. What criteria have to be met for the solution to be good enough? What corner cases can be avoided or stubbed off? Um, and the product still makes the problem that the customer has better. On the other hand, engineers will sometimes gravitate to a very simple solution that's actually too simple and not good enough. So there's a balance you have to strike. Again, this is that whole big picture versus details piece that you as a product manager are pretty much the owner of. Now remember that engineers are people too. They have personal goals just like everyone else. They want to do a good job. They want to have a good challenge that they can master. They want to contribute to the success of the company. They want to be appreciated. They don't want to make mistakes or they don't want to be put in a situation where they end up making mistakes. So those are all things you can help them with, helping them with achieving. You know, they don't want to look stupid. And if you can help them not look stupid and help them do a good job and help them be challenged, they're going to appreciate you. They're going to do a better job for you. You have to treat them like people. Now, finally, that was a long talk about working with engineers, maybe worthy of a whole podcast on itself. But I now I want to talk about a critical mindset. And the, this is really that you need to stop thinking about the product. It's a critical mindset you have to shift to. You're not making a product. And I know that you're not directly making it. Your developers are developing it. Now, it may sound like you're making a product. It's in your title if you're a product manager. But you're not. What you're doing, and this is the key mindset shift, is you're solving a problem. A very serious, very important problem. It's serious enough that the customer is willing to pay you a bunch of money for the solution. You know, as I've said before, product management is three fundamental activities. It's finding and validating market problems. It's guiding the creation of solutions to those problems. And it's taking those solutions to market. The point is, you can talk about product management all day without saying the word product. You really shouldn't, should be thinking about problems and solutions. Now, I'm a technologist. I love the features and gadgets and goo and the G-Wiz stuff. And of course, many of our customers are technologists as well. They all have iPhones and whatnot, and they like the gadgets just like I do. But what my customers buy from me is a solution to a problem. They're not buying features. They're buying solutions. They're trying to get something done in their work, and there's an obstacle, and they buy my product to help them get around or over or through that obstacle. They don't care that much about features or even polish if it doesn't solve the problem. And if the solution I give them solves the problem well, then the features and polish are secondary. They're nice to have, but secondary if it solves the problem. So let me just summarize the key points, putting it all together. Make sure you have the characteristics of empathy, flexibility, a detail orientation, but also a big picture view, and strong opinions weekly held. Make sure you have or develop the skills of communication and technical credibility. And you need to stop thinking about the product and start thinking about problems and solutions. And Bob's your uncle, you can be a product manager. Now, thanks for joining me on this episode of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. I'm working on getting it out a little more often. It's been quite a while since the last episode. Until that next one comes out, this is Nils Davis. You can follow me on at Nilsy on Twitter and read my essays about product management at nilsdavis.com. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode and the podcast in general. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe via iTunes. 
You can search for Responsibility Authority to find the listing or your favorite subscription method. And please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. The feedback is very helpful. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.